0: Infirmary Media. I'm Jeff Sandwich. You might not know me, barely anyone does, except my mother and her Cocker Spaniel, Alan. But I have listened to every single movie podcast that has ever been made. I don't get out much, and sometimes I have to make toilet in a bottle. What did he just say, Marjorie? However, having completed this exhaustive research, it is my assertion that the After Movie Diner podcast, with its heady mix of comedy, movie banter, fandom, passion, beards, music, and voluminous thighs, is, in fact, the greatest movie podcast available anywhere even Holland. Find the After Movie Diner podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and aftermoviediner.com. Now, where's that bottle? <coughs>
1: poop culture. Yeah, yeah, poop culture. Poop, 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 poop culture. Yeah, the poop culture. Poop, poop culture.
2: People engage, it's time for Jewel of the Decades. The Matrix of Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Jewel of the Decades. Poop culture popping pins, dropping hand grenades. Van Halen locked in mortal combat with David Gray. Fan ballet and sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight
1: for what you love. Jewel of the Decades.
3: Broadcasting live on digital delay from the Infirmary Media Studios, it's the show you have helped make the number one show in the number two category. The Poop Culture Podcast. This week, it's the return of the righteous, revered game of retro recreation, Dueling Decades. To hold down the mayhem, it's your retro referee. Once again, welcome the Honorable John Cross. And let's take a look at tonight's teams. First, let me introduce the challengers this week. The team that is made up of a man who is so large and in charge, if he joined the police force, he would be a cop and a half. It's Bo Becraft. And the returning retro rapper himself, the man who framed MC Gusto, Mr. Mike Ranger. I am Mark James, and let me introduce to you the other half of the once undefeated Mama Luke's, the totally bodacious adrenaline rush, Mr. Rick Mancrush. To the gentlemen here in attendance tonight in the audience playing along at home, welcome to Dueling Decades.
2: What's
4: up?
2: Hey. All right. Good show. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started we did throw a curveball on this one and we announced it on the video Rangers and I don't know if John Cross has even listened to that so I will uh, I'll drop it right here because the 90s have taken such an ass whipping for this entire show except for two episodes uh, one of which Mark and I did uh, I think 1999 and then uh, a couple months ago the highly contested uh, loss that we have. Thanks to uh, Mike Ranger. We've decided to <laughs> shuffle things up just slightly so that whatever decade loses, they get a random draw. So we've been doing month for month. So if you're coming to this episode expecting it to be July and we're using 1981 versus July 1991, you'd be wrong. Now it's going to be the Mama Luke's with July 1981. And what is your team name? We haven't
4: really decided upon one, but a couple of seconds ago, I I think if Mike's okay with this, we'll just go with Harley
2: Davidson and the Marlboro Man.
5: Yeah, that's a lot better than Cool Runnings. Yeah, okay.
2: (laughs) All right, so uh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man have December of 1993. So let me explain what goes on here. Since they lost, they get a random month and year from the decade instead of just getting what we did normally. Whoever loses this one next month will also get a random choosing. And it keeps things fresh, so we wanted to, you know, spice it up a little bit. So that's where we're going. And hopefully their month of December 1993 would be better than July of 1993 or whatever the fuck it would have been. So let's get this shit on. We got uh, July 1981 versus March 1993. Again, we have John Cross as the honorable judge from After Movie Diner.
3: I'm already confused. (laughs) Great, the plan is working already, man. As
2: the judge, we need you to do the ceremonial toss of something. Uh, Mike Ranger would use a VHS tape. It really doesn't matter.
3: See who goes first. That's right, John. Do the ceremonial toss-off.
0: Okay, just one second, gentlemen. (laughs) Um, No, uh, I have got here with me my little... uh, Jason, as it is uh, Thursday the 12th, going into Friday the 13th. Oh,
4: shit. I didn't even think about that.
0: I have my little Jason uh, pop vinyl figure here. I'm going to throw it up uh, onto the bed over here, and whether it comes face down or hockey mask down uh, or not, I'll let you know. So who's... Okay,
2: lo- loser's but- call.
0: Loser's call. So uh, ha- Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man.
5: Mike? I don't know. Which one of us is the uh, Marlboro Man? Let's go with butts. Butts. <laughs> but Butts up.
0: All right. I'm throwing it up now ah sorry hockey mask up Ooh, all right so we control the board
3: get to pick the first category man crush where do you want to go with this all right
2: uh we discussed this before and i think we have to go
3: with news yeah i think you're right why don't you start us off what do you got for news july of 1981 july
2: 1981 so on july 27th 1981 Bill Gates fully licensed the quick and dirty operating system otherwise known as QDOS from a company called Seattle Computer Systems. That OS would go on to what we know as MS-DOS. And uh not long before that uh July 27th, IBM came to Microsoft in search of a 16-bit operating system to run on its early PCs, the 8086 at the time, and at first Microsoft figured there would be less risk to just license QDOS instead of buying it. But then they saw how large the business potential would be with IBM. And on July 27th, they decided to just pony up 50000 bucks and buy the exclusive rights to QDOS. And you know what? The rest is history. A month later, they shipped out the newly branded MS-DOS with these new IBM PCs. And that's pretty much where it all started for Microsoft. Let me throw this out there. If this hadn't happened, you probably you would have known Gary Kildall, CPM instead of MS-DOS. And digital research would have been the household name instead of Microsoft. But unfortunately, that's not how it unfolded. And there's there's like a whole story behind. Have you guys ever heard the thing about Gary Kildall before?
3: I've heard bits and pieces of it. And what I've heard, I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate. So if you have the right information, fill me in, man.
2: Well, see, that's that's the thing about this whole story with Gary Kildall. There's a lot of hearsay because they don't know. But basically, long story short, Kildall was the programmer for CPM, which was a control program for microcomputers, is what he called it. And coincidentally, Bill Gates had originally sent IBM to speak to Gary first. Oh, okay. And IBM set up this meeting to meet Kildall and his wife, who is his partner to, uh, you know, the licensed CPM for their computers. And there's all kinds of stories after this transpired. And that's where it gets kind of fuzzy. But apparently his wife wouldn't sign a non-disclosure agreement. And Gary was like a pilot and had a fucking plane shit at the time. And he was late coming to the meeting. So IBM just fucking walked. They just walked out. And this is where it becomes weird because after that, and I mean, it just makes sense. Gary Kildall became an alcoholic. And then in 1994, he was at a biker bar, got drunk. Fell, hit his head, and died.
3: Wow. Jeez. So, I mean, it's
2: <sighs> it's such a fucking, like, just downer of a story there. But it's it, it could have totally went the other way around. We wouldn't have known Microsoft as we know it. We might have known, you know, digital research instead. That's where it all started for Microsoft. If they never did MS-DOS, whatever computer, and I think a majority of us on this podcast right now recording, are using Windows 10. And if there was no MS-DOS, there would be oh, Bo shaking his head. Windows 8, Windows 7, every <laughs> fucking iteration of Windows, it all stems from MS DOS.
4: Uh, I'm on 95,
3: and that was a fifty thousand dollar investment. What do you think they made back, penny on the dollar, on that one?
2: I, I don't know, but you know, it it's almost seems like it, it took them to the top, obviously, but it kind of fucked over Rod Brock and Seattle Computer Systems because they sold this for fifty thousand dollars, and it yeah, obviously fucked exactly. over Gary Kildall at the same time. But it was a huge triumphant story and had movies made about it and shit like that. So, yeah, there it is.
0: And it's interesting that uh, instead of Gary killing all, as his name would suggest, <laughs> he just fucking died.
2: <laughs> Dude, the, the stories from that, are, and that's why I said it's fuzzy, because a lot of people don't know what happened with the IBM meeting. And people don't know what happened at the bar either, because there's stories that he fell off a chair there's stories that uh, like he showed up at this biker bar wearing like Harley Davidson shit and got his ass kicked. There's uh, there's all kinds of shit.
0: Also, when Gary First and Gary Kildall were in the same room together, and someone said, "Gary First, do you think they both started speaking at once?" <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. So, what do you got, Mark? That was my little story. All right.
3: What I have for this one is on July seventh, nineteen eighty one. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. She was a Republican who was nominated by Ronald Reagan, and she served 24 years, groundbreaking Supreme Court justice. Not only was she the first woman, but also she served on some landmark cases. Uh, She did oppose the Republican call to overturn Roe v. Wade. She also served as the deciding vote in the controversial Bush versus Gore case in 2000, which ultimately decided the presidential election. Yeah, so just a little story of you know Sandra Day O'Connor, first woman Supreme Court justice, changed the course of history forever. Yeah, it's it's just a
2: little story, and yeah. it, it looks like Bo's already waving the white flag over there. He's <laughs> showing a video of a guy getting butt fucked, which I think is it's like a lady. Thing. Oh. <laughs> She works out.
3: And and keep in note, this is probably going to be the only story that'll come out tonight that'll be in our kids' history books and our grandkids' history books.
4: This Sunday at the Pontiac Silver Dome, it's Sandra Day O'Connor versus Hulk Hogan for the World Heavyweight
0: Championship live on pay-per-view. <laughs> I was just going to tell Bo to stop playing my uncle's Instagram story.
3: So yeah, Sandra Day O'Connor, first woman Supreme Court justice. That wraps up news. Over to Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. What do you guys got?
5: Okay, on December 2nd, 1993, uh, Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar was killed in a shootout. Uh, Escobar had gunshots to his legs, torso, and ear, and people to this day speculate on who inflicted the final wound. Boom.
3: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's what happened to his head. It
2: was yeah. Steve Wilkes' move, <laughs> exactly. I saw the uh, the footage of that. I think uh, he tried to jump from building to building, didn't he? Oh, that guy was like a gazelle and got
3: shot. <laughs> and isn't there conspiracy theories surrounding his death, saying that really wasn't him and he got away, and then he had body doubles, kind of like how Hitler did?
0: No, but he is credited as the first person to invent free running, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Parkour Escobar.
1: Yeah. Parkour <laughs> Escobar.
2: <laughs> Pablo Escobar died today in a free running accident <laughs> while trying to jump from one building to another.
3: Yeah, well, he was actually working on that style of for a new delivery system. <laughs> you know, he was going to employ know, small, 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 small children to jump from rooftop to rooftop as a delivery system. He
4: was inspired by the game Paperboy. <laughs> right. You had to do some fucking
2: pure coke first.
3: You had to do a line of the good shit to get the uh, to act like Sonic the fucking
0: hedgehog and jump from building to building.
2: <laughs> I could totally make that jump. Dude, you can't. And make if that you're
0: going to be children jumping from rooftop to rooftop, you have to sing a jaunty little <laughs> tune like you're in Mary Poppins or something. Right. <laughs> Pablo Escobar, played by Dick Van Dyke. No, he still hasn't got the accent down.
5: Van Dyke would have been a great Escobar. He would have been great. He would have been so light on his feet.
3: I think you guys are totally wrong here. I think Escobar would have been great in Mary Poppins. Well, that
5: fat fuck wouldn't fit down a chimney. Yes,
0: he would have been. He, he, have he a was lot higher than Dick Van Dyke in Mary. Poppins. He would have been a lot higher than Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. It would have been, so let's go fly a kite. It would have been, let's go just do some blow
1: and... A spoonful
0: of heroin.
3: <laughs> Mary Poppins would have turned into train spotting real fast.
5: <laughs> it would have been great to hear his accent, though. Yeah. little Mary Poppins.
0: What, Dick Van Dyke trying to do Pablo Escobar? <laughs> Or Pablo Escobar trying that to do Dick be Van, Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me pull up the
4: archives here. I think
0: Bo has a video of that, don't you, Bo? <laughs> Pablo Escobar trying to do Dick Van Dyke.
2: I'm really curious. What does Bo have?
4: Uh, this one actually just uh, kind of fell into my lap. Uh, December 31st, 1993. This was a uh, pretty big story. It spawned a movie, like most things do. Transgender person Brandon Tina was murdered uh, the inspiration for the 1999 major motion picture, Boys Don't Cry, which starred, of course, Hillary Swank. Uh, if I remember correctly, she won an Oscar for that. Correct. Anyone remember that? Ooh, yeah, but this yes, was did. Um, did. this was a huge story. And this was obviously kind of the catalyst for, I guess, I don't want to say like bringing transgender into the mainstream. I mean, it did. It brought attention to transgender people.
2: That was actually the movie Angel that brought.
4: Oh, I'm thinking of Michael with John Travolta.
3: Is that the life story, the the biopic of Buck Angel? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no?
0: Okay. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was Albert Nobbs with Glenn Close.
1: I thought oh, that geez. was the movie. That did it.
3: No, you're thinking of uh, what was the one with Dustin Hoffman, Tootsie? Oh, I thought you meant
2: Rain Man. All right, <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. <bye. laughs> <Rain
0: Man. laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Tom Cruise did look like a little bitch in that movie, didn't he? <laughs> Uh I thought you meant the one where Dustin Hoffman played a Native American. What was it called? Little big man or something?
2: <laughs> Kmart sucks. All right, Paul, I'm sorry. Uh
4: so yeah, that was it was a big story. The the mom of uh of Brandon Tina <laughs> sued the local sheriff's department for failing to properly handle the case. Uh they lost a rape kit that was taken at the hospital and also sued for failing to protect her in light of the threats made against her or him. Tina's real life girlfriend sued the movie production company actually for portraying her as quote white trash in a skanky snake, which was my favorite <laughs> play school toy, by the way.
2: <laughs> Did that come with the slime pit.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Mine never went down the stairs right. I never could get it to go down all the way.
4: Ah, uh, so yeah, that was uh, obviously a dark instance, but one that was certainly notable for sure, December thirty first, nineteen ninety three.
3: So let me get this right. Both of your news stories are people getting murdered.
4: Well, uh, you take the good, you take the bad. Yeah.
5: Important people. (laughs) They were important murders. But I got a better question. Bo, uh, what bathroom uh, did she use? Oh, this was far before that whole debacle.
3: (laughs) The outhouse, (laughs) apparently, because she was white trash, remember? (laughs) Oh,
0: Well, in which case, she didn't use an outhouse. She just got out of a pickup truck and (laughs) peed on the road, right, Late
4: model GMC Sierra (laughs) extended cab. Boy, if I had a nickel, fellas.
2: Like, oh, just hold my wrist while I sweat. All
3: right, let's toss it over to the judge, John Cross, for the verdict for this first round.
0: I was just going to say, if Bo had a nickel, he could have given that to the woman who peed outside his house. She probably would have shown her tits or something. Um, i don't know both. I wanted to see them.
4: Nickel tits are Flap not good. Not Jack's.
0: Yeah. I have to say, I have to say, my judging behavior right now is, uh, well, it's too easy. This is just too easy. I'm sorry, guys. While the death of people is all very interesting, and obviously Pablo Escobar, uh, well-known character and uh, you know transgender person's death that goes on to uh, uh do an oscar winning movie is it, it is you know it is fascinating it is interesting it, it it is certainly would be newsworthy on any other day but uh it it can't possibly beat uh, obviously the uh, invention of MS DOS or rather the creation of MS DOS uh, and the first woman on the supreme court it just it just can't the 80s have to have it again i'm so sorry guys I keep waiting for the 90s to do something interesting, and they just keep failing every time. Spoiler alert. Uh, It's
3: like that for the whole decade. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, it is except like 1994. There's some good movies in 1994, but we're not there yet. We're in 93, and we're on the news, and your news sucks (laughs) in in comparison. (laughs) All right, all right. Enough, as I said, of my (laughs) uncle's Instagram stories. (laughs) Although I didn't know he could bend that way. That's quite... All right, Uh, Mark,
2: where do you want to go? Do you want to uh, jump over to... Let's do Hot Products.
0: Hot
3: Products? That's a good one. I'll start this one off, because on July 9th, Nintendo came out with a game called Donkey Kong and uh, debuted of a new character called Mario. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it.
2: Mario? Sounds Italian. Wop. (laughs) His name's Jump Man.
3: Jump, yeah. Well, Jump Man was the original name, but Donkey Kong coming out on July 9th introduced Mario the first time. He had to rescue anybody remember the name of the princess he had to rescue?
4: Carl Weathers? <laughs>
1: it was Carl. Re- no,
3: it was not Carl Weathers. No, it was uh, Blossom. It was not Blossom. It was Pauline. It was not Princess Peach, as everyone thinks. Because later there was Princess Peach. This was Pauline that was kidnapped by the, uh, the giant ape Donkey Kong. And what was really great and innovative about Donkey Kong, it was the first game that had cutscenes and also had each level had compl- a completely different map. And that was new in the video game industry. This game also helped popularize United States arcades which as we know throughout the 80s and 90s were a major thing for our youth. We pumped quarters into those things like crazy.
2: Right. And we we have to clarify that. That's that's not the actual like video game that came out. That's the arcade game. As far as hot products go, it's it's a hot product you cannot purchase, but you could waste your money in it, popping those quarters in and people did. And then of course it it yeah. moved on to board games and video games and of course it spurned off mario are you guys following that billy mitchell stuff at all no we're...
5: billy mitchell's like the best donkey oh. kong player in the world and uh he was recently caught cheating so they took all of his records away that movie the king of kong is all How the about
2: what do you cheat a like
5: donkey kong. He, he well he cheated because he used uh, a an emulator an emulator instead of original hardware and that's a whole different uh scoring category ah. so they took away all of his scores and
0: well wow, that's crazy that two of the 1980s uh, news stories are kind of pertinent today what with the whole supreme court thing and then you're saying this guy with the donkey kong scores it's weird that we're you know whatever we are 37 years later and it's still the same shit, shit yeah. just keeps going on. <laughs> absolutely you know
3: everything comes around if we don't understand our history we will be doomed to repeat it good or right. bad and,
0: yeah to to, <laughs> to quote the late great peter cook I've learned from my mistakes, and I'm sure I could repeat them exactly. <laughs> and that,
2: and that's I'm what sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> we don't just take you yeah. on a nostalgic journey here. We're also trying to teach you to not repeat the same shit. Don't go to a biker yeah. bar. Get fucking drunk in your Harley Davidson shit <laughs> if you don't belong there.
1: Yeah.
0: Also, what's interesting about the whole Donkey Kong thing is one of my favorite underground little-known porn stars is Konky uh, Dong, and it's a guy who just has, like, a big crick in his penis. I don't quite know what happened to him, but it's, it's just, like, a big uh, bent in it. I don't know.
3: Well, he got straightened out in his career. It just was never the
2: same. Never the that. same
0: once he became straighty-dong. It just didn't.
2: No. Holy shit. Right. I don't even know where to go from there. But uh, All right, so unlike uh, like Mark's product was something that you pumped coins in, this is a product that you actually purchased and you brought home to your house july 10th 1981 so over you know over the air television channels if you guys don't know this are divided into two bands all right you got your vhf band which uh, comprises of channels 2 through 13 then you have your uhf band and if you grew up in the 80s like we did and you had this if your parents were cheap or like didn't want to give you the good tv in your bedroom You had the two knobs. You had one knob for VHS or VHF, and you had one knob for UHF, which were channels 14 through 83. So on July 10th, 1981, digital frequency synthesis tuning was a thing. This is where it got invented, and they started selling televisions with these digital frequency synthesis tuning modules right on the front of them. So what does that mean?
3: Yeah, I'm not a techie. I'm not a techie. Tell me what what the hell Shut is Shut your it? fucking mouth. So I can tell you. So you had, <laughs>
2: you, had two, you had the two knobs. Now you no longer had the two knobs. Now you had regular push buttons on your television. So if you wanted something in UHF range, you just punch in channel 83 and it would just automatically go to that channel. Now, prior to this, if you wanted to go to channel 83 on UHF, you had to use the top knob to go to UHF. Then you had to use the secondary knob go to channel 83. Then you had to use the little tiny third knob to adjust it. So the frequency would come in so you can clear out the picture. And that was like the V hold button or whatever. Then the second part of this, because they came out with these things, and I have an ad for one right here. It's a, uh, it's a Sony 26 inch with remote control that came out. They were selling on sale for $899. That's $2,500 today. But what's important about that is I said that it came with a remote control and remote controls have been around since the 1950s. But these clickers, which most people call them because they clicked, they were really just that. They were clickers. They often uh, they only had like the on off button. And maybe if you were lucky, they had a channel up and down. And most of these were actually connected with a wire. And if you didn't have one that was connected with a wire, they used like sonar sound. And now they started using the infrared technology. So now. With the digital tuning on your television, you have companies like RCA and Sony that are including these remotes that had more than 10 buttons now, some up to 17 buttons, where it had volume up and down. You could punch in your channels. You didn't have to get up off the fucking couch anymore. (laughs) This is where the shit all changed. And another thing that was huge about these televisions that were coming out now because of the addition of the frequency since this tuning was that you had video monitor hookups and i'm sure mike ranger knows all about this now you can plug in your beta and vhs because the older televisions you needed like this little dongle that had like these little remember the u connectors and you had to screw them in yeah yeah those yeah. are yeah. the
3: worst man they always broke
2: exactly so that's gone now these televisions are sans that fucking stupid dongle everything's built in it's got a digital front to it you had a fucking real remote control and that's all because of digital frequency synthesis tuning, and that got released with its products on July 10th, 1981.
3: No more screwdrivers to hook up your no. Atari. Awful. <laughs> <It> <laughs> is. Awful, man. It was awful. I, I had a
5: ColecoVision, and that's how it hooked up, with those little like Y-shaped metal uh, yeah. pieces. And then
3: you
2: had the, uh, there was a band selector that was on there. Remember? It was like a little yeah. switch that yep. went up and down.
5: Funny enough, the only game I owned on the ColecoVision was Donkey Kong.
2: Oh,
3: that's automatic win. Well, you wouldn't have owned that if it didn't come out in the arcades first and it became <laughs> immensely popular. Immense. Just saying, you know.
2: All right, guys, we pass to you for December 1993. What do you got? Hot products. Mike, Hot uh, products. if you don't mind, I'm going
5: to take the lead on this one here. You go right ahead there, sir. Uh,
4: 1993, 9 original Beanie Babies were launched into space. Legs the frog, Squealer the pig, Spot the dog, Flash the orca, which I wouldn't recommend doing at the beach, Uh, Splash the whale, uh, Chocolate the moose, Patty the platypus, Brownie the bear, and Pinchers the lobster,
3: which you can all find today at your Goodwill (laughs) for 50 cents apiece,
2: Or in my mom's house.
0: She's sitting on a gold mine, man. It's worth $12. They would be worth a lot of money if his mom's beanie babies weren't so heavily soiled.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, how else was she going to get him across the border? <laughs> yeah.
2: She had to get that Princess Diana
1: one.
3: All
2: right. All right. That was, that's a good collectible for the 90s. Well,
4: the interesting thing is that they've been cited as being the world's first internet sensation. I
3: thought that was the Numa Numa <laughs> kid. Wasn't he the world's first internet no. sensation?
4: You are thinking of the two girls, one cup.
3: Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was my mom.
2: Bo, your mom had him, too. Well, evidently, evidently, Rick Mancrush and I are, are brothers. Who knew? <laughs>
3: <laughs> they shared a beanie. I'm baby. telling
2: you, my, my mom took this to the fucking umpteenth level. She had she collected Barbie dolls and Beanie Babies, and she had uh, glass cabinets that were filled to the top. And again, like I said, they're worth absolutely nothing now because well, it depends on who like, you 10 ask. Years ago, she sold them all for like I don't know, two hundred bucks, and she had a lot. Probably all of them.
3: Well, if you find someone, Bo, that thinks they're worth a lot, you let me know, and I will clean out my goodwill, and (laughs) we'll make some real money.
2: All right. (laughs) Or you can use them as a hacky sack.
3: Well,
4: a lot of people don't know this, but if you take Beanie Babies and you rub them across your eyebrows, (laughs) that can help alleviate a lot of symptoms that people commonly experience. And some
5: more major symptoms, too. AIDS. syphilis it uh, clears up eczema AIDS.
4: yeah it's the it's the beans inside <laughs> of
2: them <laughs> what the fuck are you doing with those beans? nothing <laughs> that's why you have no friends all right mike
5: <laughs> all right on december 10th 1993 doom was released for the pc one of the most successful and iconic first person sh- first person shooters of all time Originally released as Shareware, the game went on to sell millions of copies and spawn sequels, and no successful video game franchise would be complete without a shitty movie to accompany it, and we got that in
2: 2005 with The Rock. That is a fucking awful movie. Great game, though. What? A, yeah, the, the game was awesome. I remember playing that through the 90s. That's a solid fucking pick. Dude, it's, it's tough to get a good video game movie. I mean, you get
5: yeah, Double uh, Dragon,
2: Street Fighter, the
5: movie, Mortal Kombat, the movie's all right is
3: it first one it's all right
5: the
2: the chick from Billy Madison is supposed to be a fighter
5: no I'm serious like out of all of the uh, the uh, video game movies that's one of the better ones that's sad
3: yeah that's pretty sad. Yeah, that's pretty. Well, yeah. what about Mario Brothers? Come on, John. That- well, to- listen, no?
5: man, I'll watch that movie for nostalgic purposes, but Super Mario Brothers the movie is got nothing to do with the fucking game. <laughs> no, no. It's just
3: That's a bad nothing. trip
2: right there. It's like fucking, it's like Escape from New York.
3: Doesn't even have anything to do with Donkey Kong.
2: No, that was a deleted scene.
3: It's going to be in the prequel, because, you know, that's where Mario got to start. So See? it all comes full circle. It sure does.
2: All right, John Cross with The Judgment.
0: Alright, here is my judgement, and, uh, I think this time around, uh, mainly, uh, because Man Crush, your description of, uh, the digital frequency synthesis thing. Me- it just Tuna. it just melted my brain. It just I was I was so lost it, it, as you were talking, you were going on about stuff, and it was like two knobs, this and something <laughs> else, and I was like, this just sounds like penises. All I could it was just it was yeah. trying to get bandwidth and things. I I lost it, so I'm sorry. Now no, hold on, wait, 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 before you before you make a hasty hey, judgment. Hey, don't talk back. Let, let me court,
2: wait. Bro. Hold on. <laughs> let, me, let me just throw this out at you. You're out of order. Next time you're using your television yeah. Don't use your remote control And get up every time you want to change the channel <laughs> if, if you judge With them I, I bet I bet You're going to use your well, that remote the that if, conf- if that That's happens. the other
0: thing that confused me Was it about the invention of the remote Or was it about uh, trying to access UHF channels or whatever it is uh, Which I don't even think we had in the UK So I'm sorry you have entirely the wrong judge Here for this, entire, for, this for this thing so I apologize for that um, I was trying to weigh up in my head whether Mario or Doom. You know, obviously Mario is a bigger character, but I I feel like the '90s have to at least look. The '90s going to lose with everything else. They just are. Uh-huh. So <laughs> he's just throwing it out again. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, but I just no. I just feel like I have to give it to the '90s, mainly to penalize that explanation of whatever it was you were trying to say. Uh, so I'm going to give it to the nineties also because, um, uh, flashing the walrus or whatever the name of that beanie baby <laughs> was, is my favorite activity when I'm down the shoreline.
4: That's also what I call masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's feeding the pilgrim. Sorry.
0: Yeah. It's, it's what I call masturbating if I'm doing it in public. Otherwise it's, I have different names for it. I have different names <laughs> depending on where I'm, where I'm at. Like there's one on the bus you know uh well you're better
3: off you know doing that than you know fucking a bunch of randoms because you know then you'll have some beanie babies of your own
0: right exactly so. exactly that's that's a public announcement public service announcement there uh don't say that poop culture doesn't care about the <laughs> teens in our environment that might be going out there and having dangerous unprotected sex uh so i'm going to give it to 1993 this nice time what Mainly because who cares about any of it, really? Yeah, really. I mean,
4: fuck am <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go now. Threw him a gift over the digital
0: frequency synthesis. Oh, don't go about it again. Goodness me. Yeah, I think I
4: took a nap
5: during that part. Did I miss anything good? <laughs> Uh, oh. i was playing with his knobs
0: there was knobs and there was lengths and there was frequency there was dongles i mean it, it just got really you lost me a dongle.
5: didn't you notice that after a while i started reading the vomit bag <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right so harley davidson and the marlboro menthol man you guys have control of the board what do you got
4: mm. well mike what do you think
5: i don't know um you know, I, I think uh, music is going to be a great category okay, for us. Yeah,
4: clearly. Let's uh, let's just get
5: that out of the way. Yeah, I wanted to do that first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in December of 1993, uh, an album by a. Popular artist Mary J. Blige was released, called What's the 411 Remixes? It was a complete remix album of uh, her debut album, and it's known for featuring uh, the notorious B.I.G., because when when you look up in the sky, you know, it's a bird, it's a plane, but it's Mary J., and it damn thing changed. (laughs)
3: And the one guy on the show who can rap doesn't doesn't shitty <laughs> spoken word. What the hell? Throw down some bars, man. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> gotta pay me.
2: <laughs> He's one and zero on this show. Yeah, I'm leaving it at that. I got fucking He's lucky. tired
1: All
2: right, so that's it. It's just a remix album. Not even like. And so, just to clarify, this is not.
3: The album. This is a remix album. This is a remix of the, ori- of the
5: original album, but it's got Biggie Smallz on it. It's like a it. covers,
3: but it's not Biggie's album. He just happened to be on it.
5: Yeah, but that's like, you know.
3: So it's the introduction of Biggie Smalls. Basically.
5: Not really. No, he's he's been on other stuff, but it's just. Oh, listen, man. There wasn't a whole lot in December. <laughs> and man. by him
0: being on Give the me album, he walked past the studio and let one rip, and it happened to <laughs> be on the background. That's really what they're
3: doing. Let's be fair. Maybe it is a big deal. I'm not as well versed in hip hop music as Mike Ranger. Is it common or uncommon for hip hop artists to appear on other artists' albums? Well, if you want to no, actually, I've heard of that. It,
5: it is actually there, Mark. Yeah, common. Yeah. <laughs> Is
3: that what you want? <laughs> All right. All
2: right. So it's the Mary J. Blige's remix album. Yeah, listen, just to clarify, <laughs> this is why
5: I don't do a nineties podcast.
2: <laughs> All right, well, it had what is that, like a second or third time that he was on the album, maybe? No, he's on it a couple
5: times. I didn't do that kind of research. Thanks for uh, you know, highlighting that. Um, and uh, But listen, the album peaked at number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, I peaked
4: man. in seventh grade, so there's some common <laughs> ground there.
3: Right. Well, I'm sure Mr. Bo B. Craft is going to turn all around here, and he's going to have a really strong musical take. Nope. For December of 93. So what do you got, Bo? Uh
4: Absolute trash. Mike was right when he said that there wasn't a lot going <laughs> on at the end of uh, 1993. So... Obviously, we've got the What's the 411 Remix album, which,
5: sure, it's fine. It's,
4: <laughs> it's
2: so funny. Every time you have to. Ah, what's it's hard to do it, right? To
5: describe what it is. Oh, it's it's an album. It's like she
2: and her friends are covering her own music. It's like Appetite for Destruction remastered.
3: It's just funny to hear you say it out loud. Like, you know, the title of a Mary J. Blige Remix album. Who didn't?
5: Because I went to a birthday party and I bought somebody that album on cassette from the wall. (laughs) Oh, they can return it forever. All right. So anyway,
4: uh, the only other notable like album to come out in December 1993 was the soundtrack to Wayne's World 2. So we're automatically 0 for 2 right now.
3: But see why you didn't go with that way better album than uh, Mary J. Blige, Mike. Yeah but it's a compilation well, they, you they can't really
4: pick you can't count that like there's too many artists on it. so aerosmith golden earring robert plant gin blossoms bad company edgar yeah, wintergroup are not
3: remixes who
4: yeah but it had hits but at the same time it's it's a soundtrack it almost shouldn't even count as an album really That's True. It's, it's well
2: you can have a solid soundtrack back i think we did february 85 was it a pretty in
3: pink soundtrack exactly yeah we had the pretty in pink we soundtrack had, uh, yeah
2: you can have a pretty iconic soundtrack i uh, like the bodyguard yeah, you could count but, i mean right. But you said the sequel,
3: like if it was Wayne's World. Right, because that had Bohemian Rhapsody on it, which is the only song in American history to ever be number one twice so many years apart. And with the new movie coming out, I'm going to call it here. I bet that song reaches number one for a third time each time 20 years apart. It's incredible. By
2: Hasey Dixie.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hacy Dixie's version. <laughs> of. It. If you haven't heard Hasey Dixie's version of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, go check it out on Spotify. Buy their album. Or listening to the episode with John Wheeler a couple episodes back.
2: What no, name the songs on that album though, for real. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not fucking around.
4: Oh, uh, let me look this up. Wayne's World <laughs> 2.
2: <laughs> I told you I told you the
0: artist
4: So obviously the the movie opened with the Edgar Winner. no,
2: I'm just wondering like what the uh, are we going uh, down that to be Wayne's one World
0: signature, signature song. song. They're not winning. I mean <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're approaching
5: fucking uh, uh TV knob Whoa, territory. how right. do you know
0: they're not winning?
3: <laughs> we have 1981. With the albums of yeah. 1981, not the greatest. We might have shit right. way worse than them. So,
4: Listen up. Here's your track listing for Wayne's World 2 soundtrack. Louie Louie by Robert Plant. Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith. Of course. Uh, Idiot Summer by Gin Blossoms. Uh, mm-hmm. I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. One of the worst songs ever written. Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. Out There by Dinosaur Jr., Mary's House by Non Blondes, Radar Love by Goldeneering, Can't Get Enough by Bad Company, Frankenstein by Edgar Winter which I believe opened the movie. Yeah, uh Shut Up and Dance which I believe was kind of an exclusive from Aerosmith for that. Yep. And then uh YMCA by the Village People. So the chart positions uh or position I guess in the US, the Billboard 200 it peaked at 78. So it didn't perform well cuz obviously it's <laughs> it's a freaking it's a compilation record.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. Such so shit. All right. Just trying to help you out. We don't need help. We know we suck. (laughs) Just give us the trophy.
3: So I guess we got to go music. Man Crush, start us off. What do you got?
2: All right. This is an album by a band that happened to shit can. They're two founding members. Not even a year before the release of this album, taking the band from six members to four. Anybody? Wind and fire? No. All right. The album in question happens to be their best selling album. It was number one in the charts for 10 weeks. It was Billboard's top 200 number one album for 1981 with 10 multi-platinum albums, 16 top 30 hits, and global album sales exceeding 80 million units. This might be a band you've heard of. This album spurned four big hits, which included Waiting for a Girl Like You, Mm. Urgent, if you like the saxophone, uh, Nightlife. And my favorite of the album, Jukebox Hero. That's the July 2nd, 1981 release of the album Four In-er. by Foreigner. All the songs from Four are written and composed by Mick Jones and Lou Graham. Did you hear that? Artists actually wrote and composed their own what a concept. music. I don't believe it. And they didn't remix it later. <laughs> <laughs> And on top of that, the, uh, the album was produced by uh, Mutt Lang, the guy, uh, you know, he produced Highway to Hell, Back Married to Shania Twain at one time. Yeah, he fucked her. And uh, <laughs> happened to be the, uh, the second best-selling album of ever is uh, Back in Black. Uh, he also did Hysteria, which Def Leppard had an album that released this month also. These guys are still touring. They just finished their 40th anniversary tour in 2017. It's fucking, come on.
0: Yeah, but we don't like foreigners. This is America.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We can keep them in other countries. We can listen to their music. They just don't come here. Oh yeah. Except for you, you're.
0: you're... I've been here ten years. I I think that counts for something.
3: Uh, yeah. You you made it. You didn't live here through the nineties though. Well, he was smart. I
0: mean, as we're
3: finding out, Jesus Christ, why would you
2: want it? Yeah, I
0: got to live through Britpop instead.
2: You, uh, you oh might have gotten kicked out if you were
3: walking around in Jankos and bead multiple. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. All right. So for mine, I it was hard to find a really another good album. I found this really bizarre album that was uh titled E5C4P3. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that.
0: Favorite fucking album. My wife, that, my fiancé and I, that's going to be on our first dance. This album
3: also had a video game based on it and named after it. It was no—it was number one on the American Billboard 200 chart. It was this band's most successful studio album. And much like Foreigner, which uh, my partner Rick Mancrush just chose, this band is also a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that band is Journey. The album is Escape. It's one of the greatest American rock albums ever written. It was co-produced by Leonard Skinner technician, Kevin Ellison, and one-time Queen engineer Mike Stone, who also engineered the album, hence why the album sounds so good, had four Billboard Hit 100 singles don't stop believing who's crying now they still ride in the song open arms which reached number two on the chart. it was certified nine times platinum and sold over 12 million copies after all of this time journey still touring As a matter of fact they just got off the road with foreigner a few years ago so these bands not only did they have monumental albums in 1981 still relevant today Steve Perry. <laughs> no more Steve Perry psychotes, man. Steve Perry, Joe Perry. All right,
2: for for the for an extra point, what is the name of the new lead singer of Journey? Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He's in fucking everything, isn't he? Come see Journey with Medea. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I thought he stopped playing bass for them a while ago. <laughs> Oh, wait, that was Randy Jackson. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody? What's the name of the it's guy? It's Arnel Pineda. Ah! Yeah, Pineda. Arnell Arnel Pineda from the Philippines. That they
2: found on YouTube, which, fuck that's another crazy fucking story.
3: Yeah, uh, his voice is incredible. I'd love to go see Journey, and uh, maybe I'll go see them when they go on tour again with uh, Foreigner. <laughs> and go see Arnell Pineda. Now,
2: I mean, the only thing about Foreigner, Lou Graham is not behind the mic, and he hasn't been for...
3: Yeah. Well, actually, both
2: both these bands they don't have their lead singers, so
3: no. So that's why they tour yeah. together, you know.
2: <laughs> they swap. <laughs> they equal one whole together. I'm pretty sure fucking Panetta could do fucking uh both. But you know the the only thing bef- now, nah, wait till after the Judgment call. <laughs> John, John Cross with the Judgment.
0: All right, with the Judgment. Well, looking at these four albums, uh, the weird thing is the only one that I would probably myself uh put into a machine and listen to would probably be about four tracks off the World 2 album um but uh that's not really what's in contention here. Is what i would listen to uh it's more seminal albums and looking at 1993 december 1993 and uh july 1981 i think you all forgot some classics right here uh from december 1993 who can forget pop smear by the Verve Pipe. Where oh, was God. that? Come
2: on now. <laughs> that wasn't even their big album.
0: If you take the Verve Pipe and you pop smear it across yeah. your <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> and also uh, the wonderfully named, uh, long before there were cell phones to be able to do this, uh, the Grateful Dead's Dick Picks, oh. Volume 1, or Dick's Picks, uh, Volume Just 1, Dick Van uh, came pictures. out as well. Uh, Dick Van Dyke's Picks, maybe. <laughs> right. Technically,
3: Um, not a real album. Dick's picks are actually just uh, live shows that have been remastered. Wait a
4: second. So it's essentially what our picks were. (laughs) Hey, man,
3: you're talking to a deadhead here. I'm going to call you on that shit, Okay. even though you are the judge. (laughs) Your honor.
0: Well, hang on. One of the (laughs) albums we have here in contention is a remix album. So apparently anything goes. Uh, Uh, That is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah.
3: Unlike Mary J. Blige, uh, the Grateful Dead actually played their instruments live. Right. Pretty sure
0: on that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that probably—that's <laughs> probably. not true.
5: She she's a a very
0: accomplished <laughs> kazoo yeah. player. That was the skin she's, flute, Mike. She's Aww. huge on the Jew's harp. She's <laughs> the, you know she's really great on the Jew's harp. <laughs> she's
3: got an amazing voice. You got to give. Totally- whoa, 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 maybe you just have a British accent and all. But can you repeat that again? What what instrument does she play?
0: I said she's really good at the Jew's harp. Is what I said.
3: What the hell is a Jew's harp? that would
0: be Did a mouth a... harp. No, no they call it a juice harp. Originally called a Jew's harp. Uh, I'm French Canadian, and uh, <laughs> it's always been called a mouth There's harp. There's
2: no Jews in Canada. Canada, Canada. well, except for Let's Drake. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way, it's too cold. <laughs> There's Degrassi. Yeah. <laughs> Degrassi and
0: Drake. That's it. That's about it. Uh, and also, if we go to July 1981. Um, I know that you were very excited about Foreigner and Journey, but I think that you forgot uh, some classic. Oh, we albums. didn't forget. It was
2: just a hard yeah. choice.
0: As as in Girls to Chat and Boys to Bounce by Fog Hat. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. We had Blue High and
2: Dry morning. from Def Leppard as well that we month.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You had uh, Signals, Calls and Marches by Mission of Burma. Uh, these wonderful, uh, you know, chart topping classics. Dude, Uh, Luther Vandross. Hoy, hoy, (laughs) exclamation point by Little Feet. Oh, oh, yeah. Dixie Chicken's a banger. (laughs) And Level 42's uh, self-titled album, Level 42. Is that what that was called? Uh, What, No Love for Eddie
2: Rabbit? Yeah. Ooh.
0: (laughs) Or Miles Davis' The Man with the Horn. And I think by this point, we've all got the horn. Yeah,
3: but that Miles Davis album, it's just a remix album. (laughs) Yeah. the last
0: one, Uh, yeah, so uh, he was playing somebody's mouth off. Um, That's a skin flute, actually. <laughs> right. So this this might be the hardest one that I have to adjudicate. Um, but I think just because four by Foreigner" and "Escape by Journey" are actual albums by actual bands, written, recorded, produced, they're ad- they're not compilation albums. They're not remix albums. They're actual albums. Uh, I have to give it, uh, of course, to 1981. Um, but uh, uh, as I said earlier, as a sort of consolation prize. Not that it gets you any points, guys, uh, but I would probably listen to the World 2 soundtrack before any of those other albums. But it doesn't matter. 1981 wins. <laughs> Next. Now that we've been <laughs>
2: awarded the points, and I've said this to Mark, like I think last year we talked about this, Foreigner is like the 80s version of Nickelback.
4: No, you shut your mouth. But they had much better <laughs> Yeah, songs. they
3: had better songs. But it really is. I mean, it, come on. Not musically, but image-wise and success-wise and how they carried themselves <laughs> and toured and Bo's shaking his head like, Shut up, you fucking hippie dumbass. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I. All right. Call me out. Call me I out. I like on 4. Four.
2: I think Four is probably their best album. The three albums before Four.
3: It is their best album by far.
2: I agree. Four One One, the remix, is best <laughs> album.
3: <laughs> Foreigner came out with Four, then they came out 4-1-1. with Four One One. the they, remix. They
2: remixed
4: it. It's actually called Four right. Two. Bad Boy Remix.
2: <laughs> Six. <laughs> All right, Mark. All right, so we're going in three point so It really doesn't make a difference what we choose we're up 2 to 1. We might as well save movies for last again so uh so John can relish in the the moviness of the whole thing.
3: Yeah, let's go do TV, I suppose. Yeah, let's oh, do. great.
2: It. <laughs> Can't wait for this one.
4: <laughs>
5: Hang on, I got to get some lube real quick.
2: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I put up, I put mine on before I sat down. No. Now you would think like your TV would be better than our TV since we're July where all the shows have ended. And you guys are towards the uh, mid-season finale. You
5: would, you would think that. No. Yep. All right. You, you'd be correct to assume.
3: <laughs> 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 yeah. Because typically, you guys would be right. July every time we get a summer Should, month. Let, you
2: know what? Let, let me start with mine because oh, I will. You, yeah, yours I'm is just better than mine. A, I'm just yeah. making a point here. All right.
3: You know, every time we get a summer month, we get fucked. Except for this month. This month, we <laughs> might have pulled one out of our ass, man crush. Take us there. I don't not know. To J- our john,
2: John's john been, like, fucking mean to the 80s today. I mean, he's given us the points, but he hasn't given us the love. He was going to listen to four songs from the fucking Wayne's World 2 soundtrack over his wedding <laughs> when you song. You know what you
0: want. Listen, how, how dare you attack the joke like this? You're not doing yourself any favors unless you pull out a monumental TV episode. You might be digging. That's what we do. That's
2: right what we now. do here. All right. So <laughs> let me start this one off July 4th, 1981. The ch- everybody knows the channel Showtime, right? Showtime switched from being a part-time broadcast to broadcasting 24 hours, seven days a week. And I know it doesn't sound cool, but there's two reasons why this is fucking really important for 1981. Number one, this is the rise of cable te- television, you know, deregulation right around the corner and all the cable providers are itching to get their hands on good content to sell to the markets around the world. And aside from the three local channels that were required to be carried, they also needed to fill the rest of the catalog with different types of content. People had never experienced an on-cut movie before at all hours of the night. And the market was just starting to break with beta and VHS. Cable companies were desperate to get their hands on 24 hour content So instead of Showtime only running for eight to 10 hours a day, they decided to go all in, go 24 hours of content to rival HBO, which actually didn't go 24 hours until December of 1981. So technically Showtime was the first ever on-cut movie channel to go 24 seven. And the reason this is important for number two is without Showtime on HBO's heels for four decades, cable as we know it might've been total shit. Just hear me out for a second. So You had WWE. What did they have? They had WCW. WCW got bought out by WWE and went to shit. You had UFC. UFC. They had Pride. Pride got bought out by UFC. UFC went total shit. Four decades, HBO has had Showtime on their heels with 24-hour material, keeping them on their toes with original content and all that kind of shit. So imagine they weren't around anymore or HBO bought them out. It would be garbage. So HBO probably has... More to thank to Showtime for being around for all these fucking years. And I'm just going to throw this out there because people like to hear the numbers. Back in 1981, this went for about $10 a month on top of your basic cable fee. It was about 15 bucks. That was $27 in 2018 just to get Showtime. Same thing went for HBO and everything else. So it, it was kind of costly, but people were getting into it. There was like 19 million households. that were getting cable and it was fucking astronomical. And it took off like about out of hell, just like it is today with the Netflixes and the Hulus and everything else.
0: There's one important question that you didn't answer in that. Were there titties? Oh, of course. <laughs> no, it's it's that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. That's, that's of all I need to know. If there's twenty four if there's twenty four hour titties, it's not them, Skinamax,
2: which we we knew growing up. We had the uh, the late night Skinamax. but Showtime did offer that. It's on cut movies, so whatever came out, that's what you saw. And that hadn't happened before this point. You had a, a small window there where you can rent from like 1977 to 1981. Betamax was out. VHS, very small scale at that point, And you can rent shit. But that's the only way you got movies or if you went to the box office to see it. So this is it. This is where you started to really see full length movies in your own home and and
0: titties and all the fucking time. So.
3: <laughs> and all the guys were uncut as well. <laughs> just like the
1: movies <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was before the big uh, circumcision wave of right, <laughs> 1983 <laughs> fucking
3: Kurt Cobain man don't follow him for anything <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's fucking terrible uh, So I
3: guess I'll shoot over to my news and I'm going to start mine off by asking our great judge here Mr. John Cross if he remembers where he was on July 29th 1981
0: Uh, I would have been uh, about one and a half years old. I was probably lying on the floor in nothing but a (laughs) tiny T-shirt and a small plastic policeman's helmet.
3: And I can guarantee I know what was on the TV when you were watching that. Yeah. What was on the TV when you were
0: laying on the floor
3: on July 29th, 1981?
0: Oh, you're going to say that it's the uh, royal wedding?
3: Correct. The royal wedding of Prince Charles... And Princess Diana, who was 19 years old at the time, and she married an ugly old rich guy. Which, you know, sounds like a great American story, but it's a great British story. The duo were the first couple, and they shared their kiss on the balcony of Buckingham Palace in front of 3,500 guests. And why this is in TV is because this is one of the largest television audiences at the time in history to watch a television event at the time, there was only three basic channels, so you didn't have people spreading out their viewership across multiple cable stations. So at the t- through a worldwide audience, it has been estimated that 750 million people worldwide watch those nuptials.
0: And if anything proves that there was literally nothing to do before the internet, <laughs> it's the fact that 750 million people were. Bored enough yeah. that the Royal Snooze Fest was something worth watching.
2: But you know what? It still it comes up today. I mean, look at the, the wedding just happened a couple weeks ago. That's that right. had twenty-eight million people watch that shit in the United
3: States. In the United States. Yeah. Why well, I don't know.
0: What what I what I liked is that the two royal weddings that have happened since I've lived in the States, I have been literally asked by people with a straight face with no sense of irony. So, are you going to the wedding? And and uh, why I, why would I why would I be going to the wedding? Well, aren't you invited? Like, I, literally, as if all sixty-two million residents of the UK get invited to these things,
2: and no. only thirty-five hundred show up. Yeah, right. I think. I, mean, yeah. I just I thought that was a there major were, snub. Th-
0: yeah, there were more Americans probably lining the parade route than there were. Uh, British people on that day. But, I mean, look, I'm all for... I'm not an anti-royalist. I'm all for bringing people together and, you know, and it was all fun and games. And there was a nice choir and a mad the reverend got up and said a lot of stuff about love that made white people uncomfortable. And I loved that. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, and that was watching the assholes of, you know, uptight British aristocracy pucker while a yep. uh, Baptist uh, reverend went on. That was joyous to me i loved I every single second that was the of. best
3: part of the whole thing was watching that oh yeah, uh, right.
2: i i hold on i think the best part was the american that faked that he was british to get on all the news outlets and all oh, of yeah. them let him on like because he was an expert <laughs> and the dude was from fucking orange county new york
0: Yeah, no, I but I missed a trick. I should have put on like a bow tie or a cravat or something or something, and tried to get on like the the GMA or Today Show or something in New York, and be like, oh yes, I'm I'm a royal expert. I can talk very expertly about these people. Um, That would have been amazing. I would have, but I didn't do that because I have a life and a job and. Things to do next but, time. <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah ne- next time one of these uh, inbred scroungers get to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I, I've got no problem with the royal family at all. That's why I live in America.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs.
1: Welcome to Firehouse.
2: Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor. Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax, limited time offer, prices may vary for delivery. All right, so that's what we got for uh, July 1981.
4: All right, I'm going to defer to Mike Ranger.
5: Oh, start things oh, off so for the television aspect of December '93. Let me talk to you about December '93. On Saturday, December 11th, ABC f- ran from the hours of 8 to 10 p.m. Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs>
3: That's not when the movie came out. They're just showing real no, on Saturday it. afternoon. So
5: like, if you had nothing to do, Saturday, December This was 11th, the royal wedding
4: of 1993. You you
5: could turn on ABC and you can watch Ernest That's Save Christmas. That's too
2: early for a fucking Christmas. That's like two weeks early. Three weeks.
5: Everybody knows that you play the shitty movies like early. <laughs> yeah, you know? Nobody does Charlie you Brown's Christmas for December later. 1st.
0: Also, you have to save Christmas before Christmas. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) you got to have time
5: for you know Santa to like make the deliveries.
0: Again, fucking spoilers.
2: Sorry, man. Is this the one where he kidnaps the child? (laughs) Basically, that's what happened. No,
5: no, this is the one with the runaway, and then Santa Claus is retiring. He's got to find a new Santa. It's that whole thing. You think it's gonna be Ernest because he's so kind and young at heart, but it's gonna be somebody else that plays with puppets.
4: and a away
1: <laughs> daddy's girl oh,
2: that's an excellent choice I thought so
5: there's some other things but you know I thought that one was appropriate so there
2: was no <laughs> finale that you could have chosen there was, that there, was the honestly man thing. I looked
5: through a couple things I mean I, the only thing that was like actually worth talking about was that ABC at the time had uh, started uh, Grace Under Fire and they also had Roseanne So they were really trying to Uh, corner the white trash market. (laughs) (laughs) They were doing a great job with it. It's not a hard
2: market to corner. No, it's not. 1993 was all about the white trash. It was. It It was a good
5: year for white trash. Great year.
3: Yeah. All those people buying those Mary J. Blige albums. Yeah. What's the
5: 411? (laughs) The economy was great.
3: Right. Right. Imagine you bought that and got home and you're like, what?
5: It's actually interesting you say that, Mark, because if you think about it, Grace Under Fire is like a remix to Roseanne.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, look at that. Was the notorious Big in that one too?
5: Uh, no, he was no, just they, played they, by
3: John Goodman. He, he was. He too did big. use their bathroom. He was just too big.
2: He <laughs> was too big. All right, if hold on, if that's where december's I gotta hear where both has got.
4: Actually, I have probably a, a legitimate one. Oh. Mike and I kind of discussed this, and I think this oh, is. Yes. Uh, I'm going to was... pull this one out to to help us. Hours of uh, texting
5: gets... went by on this one.
4: Yeah. Uh, the only other notable thing was the Joan River show ended after a four year run.
3: <laughs> so again, no, the, the, your news story actual- is somebody dying.
4: <laughs> that's all we got, man. Death in December. No, I do. I do have one that's, that's fairly legitimate. Uh, CBS, which had been a broadcaster of the NFL, uh, for 38 years, lost their rights to telecast national football conference games to Fox. Fox won the rights to NFC games by offering a then-record $1.58 billion to the NFL over the course of four years, significantly more than the previous $290 million per year CBS was willing to pay.
3: And it ruined football broadcasting forever.
4: Well, until the XFL came along for a hot minute.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, true. Well, that was NBC they killed.
3: And once again, if you don't understand your history, you are doomed to repeat it, because what is coming back? The XFL.
2: It will not be on NBC, though. Mark my words. The no, Eversols will, will not touch the XFL.
3: How much I, you want to bet it's going to be on Fox?
2: Uh, Plausible. It all depends what happens with the contracts. Somebody's going to pick it up.
3: Yeah, well, didn't the WWE just sign a contract they, with Fox? They did. Yeah, see. So it's a possibility. It's a package deal. All right. Over to John Cross for the judgment. What do you got, man? <laughs>
0: Alright guys. Well look, this is another hard one. Okay. Um, but uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it all, and then there's gonna be a bombshell. Okay. <laughs> so uh it's gonna first of all, it's gonna be very hard to beat 24 hour titties. I'm just gonna say that right off the bat. <laughs> uh, also I think you, you were right now right. are you
3: talking about the Princess Diana thing or the <laughs> yeah. showtime with yeah, the twenty-four hours? I'm, I'm talking about the royal wedding. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Because there was a, a ton of tits there that day. Just stupid, old, white, wizened tits. Um, but no. see <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, it, you know, the 24-hour thing, the Showtime thing, the fact that they were the first premium cable channel to do that, the fact that it pushed HBO to do that, that is obviously big news. Um, the Royal Wedding less so, you know, 750 million people. Come on, that's that's nothing these days. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, no it is. No, it's huge. It's huge. I'm joking. It's huge. Um and then but it's it's difficult because up against Ernest saving Christmas. I mean I really <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I let let me ask the panel this, right? Would you rather watch, okay, uh twenty you'd have to watch all 24 hours of showtime. So no matter what they're showing, there's not necessarily titties. 24 hours worth of showtime, the entire royal wedding, all right. Uh, Joan Rivers dying or uh, Ernest saving Christmas?
1: Showtime. How about
3: we re- how about we remix all of that together, just like the Mary J. Blige album? Right. Put it on Showtime, and it's a movie where Ernest saves Princess Diana.
0: <laughs> yes, Ernest saving Princess Diana while Joan Rivers dies in the background, and some football football players rape a fox or something. No, um, but. <laughs> But I have to say, so so I'm giving it to 1981. However, uh, uh, Bo and Mike, you could have won me over on this one. But you missed a very, very important debut that happened in uh, 1993 in December. And that was the debut of The State on MTV. Oh, Wow.
1: I want to mm. dip my say balls Oh, in
0: <laughs> Yes, indeed. You missed the debut of the state, which uh, technically, um, if you're going to put them next to like the comedy people that have come out of the state uh, that are still working today, that have made some of the largest comedy albums of the last 20 years, um, that give Judd Apatow a run for his money in terms of like blockbusters and comedy things and Netflix specials and podcasts and goodness knows what else the state's tentacles are far and wide and that might have been enough uh, to, to pip 93 over so I'm sorry about that but you, you you could have done state and that would have won it but 1981 you take home the gold just because everyone loves 24 hour titties.
5: see I think everybody loves Ernest you know what I mean Vern <laughs>
0: Seriously, listen. I'm I'm up there with the Ernest love. I really am. And uh, but let's be fair. Showtime has probably showed that uh, at some point. So
5: it's probably on right now.
0: Yeah, they probably did. Ernest saves
5: everybody. He
0: saved the
1: camp. Let me
2: throw this out. Here's here's a 1981 rundown of Showdown or Showdown of uh, Showtime. All right. Here's a random day. We got Cabaret, The Fog, Ordinary People. Elephant Man, 9 to 5, Airport, Sleuth. I'm not sure what that is.
0: Oh, Air- Sleuth is amazing. It's uh, Michael Caine Oh, okay. and I Lawrence now, Olivier.
2: I Now I know you what it is. You would know that, wouldn't you? Airplane. I, I
0: would know Michael Caine and Lawrence Olivier in a movie. <laughs> and yeah. Xanadu
2: to, to top out the night. You got to like your Olivia Newton-John, I'm sure.
0: Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. God
2: out Fucking Xanadu. Xanadu.
3: Did you so, guys, going back to, to Michael Kane, did you guys ever realize if you say the phrase my cocaine, cocaine. Yeah. you're actually saying Michael Caine in his own voice?
1: Yeah. My cocaine.
5: <laughs> some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, so once again. The 80s have won. It's uh, the game is over right now, but we're gonna play the extra round. We have to, otherwise John would kill himself if we didn't do movies. Uh, The score right now. (laughs) Oh, I'm ready
0: to kill myself. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's four
2: to one, but we're going into movies. I think this will get interesting, and it might move it closer depending on what is in 1993. Take it away, Mike Ranger.
5: You know, considering how you know it's pretty much over, and we've been blasted a little bit for discussing uh, death a lot. There, there's when you look at the lineup of what came out in December of 1993, <laughs> it's a shitload of death.
1: Oh, boy. I mean, it's Happy Holidays. All right, first
5: off, Wayne's World Two that killed the franchise. Fucking <laughs> Schindler's List, Everybody
2: Philadelphia. That one. Hold on, you guys got to pick a. You got to pick two movies. I want to know what your picks are. He's getting you, there. One of you guys have to pick Schindler, Schindler's List.
3: Mm-mm.
5: What do you I'll tell you I'll tell you why I didn't pick Schindler's List because who wants to watch that again
3: I don't want to watch I, that I, I own it once is I, enough I watch it all the time I love that <laughs> movie I, I probably watch it every at least once a year
4: man more like Dark James am I
3: right wow. no it's it's a <laughs> wonderful piece of filmmaking it is a fantastic movie with a lot of great actors in it. Yeah,
2: how high are you when you're watching this?
3: <laughs> you know what? I've never gotten high and watched Schindler's List. Ah, well, 2018. Right. That's going on the bucket list right there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's
5: terrible. I'd rather listen to the fucking TV knob thing. Again. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's a good old time.
5: No, my my choice actually, uh, the movie I picked was uh, a movie starring Kurt Russell, Bill Paxton, yes! Sam Elliott, Val Kilmer. That was Tombstone.
2: Boom. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. shit, Boom. which spawned an entire oh, pizza business. Beat, Look at guys.
5: that. I'll be your huckleberry.
2: Yes, uh, I give off. it to you what for that, you that one. That's that's what that's my like. I'm not a big Western fan, but that movie I could watch a hundred times in a row and not have and, like I'll never turn it off. Like, I'll watch the entire movie and it's all about Val Kilmer. That movie. Oh, he's great in that. He's I just watched
0: that. it on July fourth. It's uh it's incredible. And they all grew their own mustaches. There's no fake mustaches in the movie. They mm-hmm. all—that is all of their own. mustaches. Dude, they—they they yeah. all
2: did hit puberty, so that's yeah. not
0: like a big that fucking was... feat. No, but no, but when you see the mustaches in that movie, you're like, wow. I mean, it's just Kurt Russell's alone uh, next to Sam Elliott's. It's enough to have. You know
2: who—who who in that movie doesn't get enough props? Everybody talks about Val Kimmer or, you know, Sam Elliott, and uh, Kurt Russell. Fucking Michael Bean.
1: Yeah. yeah, is a, so a so fucking great, great villain. was Johnny Ringo, villain.
2: yeah, it's fucking awesome.
0: And of and of course you have uh, Charlton Heston, uh, showing up in a little cameo in the middle there, which is always fun. Are we and... talking about Wayne's World Two again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: there was and a Ro- woman
0: and Robert Mitchum doing the uh, top and tail narration. Oh, that's
2: such a great. That's a great fucking flick. That that's yeah. a that's probably your best pick in the entire night. But it again, t- Tombstone—it's a death. It doesn't—that one doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> no, but it has—it has a—it has, uh, has a happy ending though. It's triumphant. It is. Yeah, it it is, is triumphant just about.
5: Yeah. Val, Val Kilmer dies a horrible,
2: horrible death. <laughs> he
5: does. Uh, you know he, what? He
2: still fucking yeah. wins the shootout though. He does. He's fast, motherfucker, even with Down tuberculosis. The, okay, Corral. Spit blood and drawing pistols. Fighting MacGruber. All right, I got to see you guys. You led off with Tombstone. That's not even the big dog. So I, what the fuck does Bo have? Oh,
4: so pull it out, Bo. Clear. Okay.
3: Ernest scared stupid. Okay, got it. <laughs> that was 94. No,
4: the only other... So <laughs> I'm going to mention this one because this is one of my favorite films of all time. December 23rd, Grumpy Old Men. Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, Burgess movie. Meredith, Kevin Pollock, Daryl Hannah. Not a huge film. Uh, it pulled in about $35 million worth of profit, $70 million, uh domestically. So I'm going to mention that one just because I love it. But the one I'm going to go with, um, December 22nd, Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, Philadelphia. <laughs>
0: More death.
4: Yes. <laughs> More death.
2: Wow, oh, <laughs> as the yeah. fucking sirens go. <laughs> Classic. Sorry, guys, that's New York City for you. They're bringing Tom Hanks so- to the fucking ER.
0: Yeah, you see, this movie was they could have won this one, but they didn't go for Beethoven's second. Oh, such
4: a <laughs> rookie. Yeah, uh, d- listen,
5: I almost, I almost went with that one. Yeah.
4: Well, that dog's dead now too, so yeah. it's just you yeah. know nobody that wins. I would have
0: got you points. Hey,
2: do us a favor. Nope. Uh round out the top ten. People like to hear that shit. Like, what's the? What, do you guys have the top ten movies of December ninety three? Um,
5: I don't have it written out like that, but I can like go down it. Um. Uh. So obviously, Schindler's List that did about ninety six million. Uh, Beethoven's second did about fifty two million. Wow, Pelican really? Pelican Brief. Um, that actually did a lot. I don't know if that's accurate though. I think a hun- over $100 million worldwide. Does that seem right? I don't know.
2: Maybe. Uh, it's like uh, Julia concrete, yeah, that movie was huge at the, uh, yeah. at
5: the box yeah. office. Um, Philadelphia did $77 million, uh, but most of that was spent on medicine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's because they, they, they jacked
3: the prices up so much. Yeah. He actually oh. only got one pill for that.
5: <laughs> you got a nice little uh, artsy film, a uh, little bit of uh, What's e- Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Yeah. Shit. That was a good one. Yeah. Um Artie? That's pretty much.
3: I bet it wasn't AIDS. Yeah.
5: <laughs> What's eating Gilbert's AIDS? <laughs> What's
1: eating Gilbert's AIDS? Oh, uh, you know what? Uh,
5: December 31st, you got Maniac Cop 3.
0: Oh, oh, oh now shit. That is a good one. Wow. Yeah, That is a good one. Uh, you've also got uh, my personal favorite uh, Sister Act two back in
2: yeah, the habit. yeah I Come fucking on, read yeah. right
5: over that I saw <laughs> that I
2: don't know uh, any month has Robert
5: Zidane. and that's a good one I mean I love a good we hip-hop had some,
0: scene. yeah we have I love a good hip hop nun uh, yeah, the Sister we had Act two gave us the start of Lauren Hill
5: and you had Frank we
0: had some depressing movies though in December of ninety three you have a triple bill of Schindler's List Philadelphia. And fucking in the name of the father. I mean, if that's not enough oh, to make everyone at Christmas time <laughs> slit their wrists, I don't know what is. <laughs> we to you by- a triple <laughs> the triple bill of misery.
3: Yes, the triple bill of misery brought to you by Prozac. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do
0: you know what was released on Christmas Day in 1993? Heaven and Earth. Uh, Oliver Stone's Vietnam trilogy ender.
3: Oh, God. thank God. I thought you were going to say it was Ernest Saves Christ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ernest goes to Vietnam. Uh, uh, we've got some interesting ones. We've got American Yakuza was released with Vigo Mortensen. Uh, uh, the remake of Attack of the 50-Foot Woman with uh, Daryl Hannah uh, oh, geez, is released.
4: Oh, also known um, she's as terrifying at
0: 5'6". <laughs> and, and come on, guys. You could have clearly aced it with the uh, December 16th, 75-minute classic, Beach Babes from Beyond. Come on now. <laughs> oh, no. is, that,
2: is that Jim <laughs> Uh
0: Probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. Yeah, uh, it probably is. And it's it's either him or that. Uh, what's the other guy whose name I've now forgotten? Who did Attack of the 50-Foot Centerfold? Uh, um, can't remember now. But yeah. Know. Oh, I'm gonna kick kick myself for not remembering his name. Oh one.
4: yeah, the Cohen brothers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is
3: that a Ron? Fred Howard Fred Olin picture?
0: Ray. Fred Olin Ray. That's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> um, what else do we have? There's, there's there's not many other interesting things that come out. Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, uh, two. <laughs> Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two came out on December 11th.
4: Oh, there was also uh Robert Kopp. Robert Cop
3: <laughs>
2: It was a reboot. Yeah,
3: it only came out in China though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I still want that toy so bad. I, I still want it. If
3: anybody is out there and you're listening to the show, if you ever see a Robert Cop, RoboCop <laughs> knockoff action figure, get a hold of us. Yeah, I'll send I'll send, I'll send you fucking podcast. cash. Yeah. To pick that up. Now
0: now you gentlemen are fans of the Loja you're a fan. Talking oh, about yeah. Roberts, you're yeah. fans of the Rob <laughs> The Loja uh, Fucking... had a movie come out uh, w- with Scott Bakula, um, which, as my old friend uh, Doug used to say, once you go uh, Blackula, you never go Bakula. Um, but they- <laughs> he had a movie out called Mercy Mission: The Rescue of Flight Seven Seven One, uh, starring Rob Loja and Scott Bakula. <laughs> the remix. Uh, Mary J. Blige had a, a small, small cameo in that film uh, as the mercy <laughs> they were trying to mission, probably. Um, but yeah, that came out. Uh, as did the Michael Dudikoff, Stephen Dorff classic, "Rescue Me." Oh. Come on, guys! You had oh. so many to choose from in December '93. Yeah,
4: Dennis
2: Leary was great in that. Here's here's a, here's <laughs> a little loja I'm gonna throw out some Loja trivia here before we take our. Oh, time I
0: love some trivia. Here's a Loja trivia. <laughs> a lo-
2: loja <laughs> trivia okay. What show? In probably I, I won't give a year. Early 80s show, very popular, first season, first couple episodes. What show was Robert Loggia the bad guy on? Oh, a surprise booster. bad guy.
3: I know that one.
2: All right, let's we'll see if nobody else
3: Nobody else knows this? I don't know this one. Oh. <laughs> hands down, guys. Come on, Mr. Belvedere.
2: All right, you're you're an idiot. All right, so Mark is incorrect. <laughs> I am.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, any nobody else? I got too nothing. close for comfort. Uh no, <laughs> no? Elf. Who is that? I watched it again the other night because I hadn't seen it in years. It was Magnum PI.
3: Okay, I see. I was thinking ah. Miami Vice, but then it's '81, so no.
2: He was a trousseau. And it was uh, one of the very first episodes. Magnum P.I.'s. God, we're getting so far fucking away from everything. But that was uh, 1980. The first episode came out as the pilot. uh, Magnum's friend, who's a captain in the Navy, fucking gets killed after some guys, like, kidnap him and punch him in the stomach with drugs in his stomach. And it bursts and he dies. And uh, their their Vietnam, like, lieutenant or whatever is Loja and they have this background part for him and he ends up being this drug lord that kills off fucking his friend it, whatever let's let's get into so our so it's camp. autobiographical <laughs> let's get it it's only cuz it's poop culture we have to get back to the uh, the origins of Robert Lurja. but uh, let's do this mark <laughs> what do you got for december or no july of fucking 1981
3: which one do you want me to go with
2: uh, whatever one you fucking want to go with.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so all right so on this this movie came out on july 19th 19 1981 ha- only had a budget of seven million dollars although it grossed 95 million dollars in the united states and uh, you know it was nominated for four academy awards two of those they won and that was best supporting role and that was John Gilgood, and then it also won Best Original Song. If anybody hasn't figured it out yet, I am talking about the 1981 mega hit starring Dudley Moore, Arthur. Hmm, Arthur's theme. Yes. So Arthur, one of the biggest movies of 1981. There was only three other movies that were ahead of it in the box office for the entire year. And in case anybody's wondering, uh, this movie was also. Included in the American Film Institute list of the top 100 funniest American movies in the year 2000. That's my pick. That's
0: Arthur Co- starring Dudley Moore. Com- compiled by people who don't have much of a sense of humor. Correct. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but true. It, it was good you trying to make the case for Arthur there. That was it. That was impressive. I, I
2: I was actually like I loved Arthur and like growing up, I actually was bigger on Arthur too just because I was a little bit older in 1988 when that came out. I was like 10. And the the whole scene with the IOL. Did anybody ever see Arthur 2, or am I the only one?
5: No, I've seen Arthur 2.
2: All right, IOL. I'll save my but, thoughts for the end. Him and Liza Minnelli moving into the apartment, and the, the landlord's like, it has IOL. And they're like, what is IOL? It's instant on lighting. And it's the just the on and off switch on the lights. Uh, it's stupid as shit ever, but I fucking still remember that to this day. But... It, uh, another movie that didn't deserve a fucking reboot because no movie deserves a fucking reboot. If it's good, leave it fucking alone. Arthur's a fucking classic movie. And I was never aware that it, it won two Oscars. That's especially for a comedy. That's fucking enormous.
0: Yeah, it's but really I, I rare. Will also 100% agree with you. It did not need a reboot. The original is absolutely great. No movie needs a reboot. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, it's uh,
2: fucking terrible. And there was news. This is, a, I'll throw this out there now because it's a little bit relatable. Uh, they're talking about uh, there's going to be a sequel to Robocop coming out.
3: Robert
0: Cop.
2: Robert Cop has a <laughs>
0: sequel. Robert Lozier Cop, as it should be. I'm actually. They brought him back from the dead. Metallic Lozier. <laughs> Michael Kidna's my boy.
2: Let me ask you guys this because at first, when I first read the initial news, it said reboot. And I was like, fuck, and they're going to do it again? Fuck that. But. Then afterwards, they made it that it's going to be a sequel to the original series, which, as everybody knows, that loved the original RoboCop. 2 eh, and 3 was fucking abysmal. So where do you go? Is this going to be a, a so, part 2
0: over again? So the story to about this new one is that it is an abandoned script by the original screenwriters for the first one, uh they huh. were writing a sequel that never got made um and that script is being taken uh slightly rewritten and reworked um and is going to be produced by the original screenwriters of the first one directed mm-hmm. by Neil Blumkamp who's the guy behind District 9 and Chappie and uh, Elysium um South African uh director and uh there's there's one other thing um but yeah. Anyway, I I have a feeling. So this is my I hate remakes, hate reboots, hate all that stuff. Fuck them! I hate it. And for some reason, in order to try and sell us remakes now. They've tried everything else. They've tried calling them reimaginings and, you know, <laughs> reduxes and redos and reboots and all the other things. Now what they're doing is dredging people out who had something to do with the first one and go, look, look, they're involved. They're executive producing or something. Um, you know, they're doing it with Halloween 2018, which the first trailer looked like a piece of shit. Also, if you're a fan of that franchise, there's, it doesn't oh, make any terrible. sense that yeah, they're making terrible. one.
2: That, She's dead. Uh, She's fucking dead. dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: If you're a fan of that franchise, stop after two.
2: (laughs) She lives under the fucking kitchen counter. I like four.
0: No, if you're a fan of that franchise, uh, stop after seven. That's what I say. Seven? No, no, it's easy. easy. Let me explain. One, two, and seven, you get the Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode story, and it works perfectly with the trilogy thing. It does. First one she's naive doesn't know what's going on. Second one she's kind of crazed and and uh doesn't really like if you look at like Alien 1 2 and 3 if you look at Evil Dead 1 2 and 3 like this is kind of the way it goes. And by the third one which is the seventh one she's like kicking ass and 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 getting her own life back kind of thing. Um and it actually works. And then you have 4 5 and 6 which is the Nice trilogy and they right. count because Donald Pleasance is still alive and if Donald Pleasance is still alive the movies still count, they just do and then third one you have Tom Atkins and it's the bomb, even though Michael Myers isn't in it, it's still a damn good movie so I say all seven of those are worth something the moment they bring Michael back and kill Laurie Strode in eight and then fucking have reality TV come into it that's, that's no that's where the franchise ends and as for this new Halloween, I don't know what the fuck um, you,
3: you go through all of that, talking about all the Halloweens, not once do you mention the best Halloween, and that's Halloween 3.
0: Fucking Season of the Witch. I mentioned Halloween
5: 3. I said <laughs> Halloween 3 is good, too, man.
0: Dude, dude, Mark, I mentioned Halloween 3. I just said Tom Yeah, in it. Yeah, he did, in say, it. It he might, did I have say that. Mike Myers in it, but it's the bomb. I said it's awesome. I love it. Halloween 3 is probably my third favorite out it of the should, It just should not have been named Halloween. Th-
5: that's the whole problem with right. it. If yeah. that was named anything right. else, right. it'd be a
2: cult classic. They should have just yep.
0: called it Season of the Witch.
2: Alright, so let, let, let me reel this all right. in right now, because you, you've said it.
0: But sorry, the Robocop thing is a piece of shit. I think they're just bringing out that original script as a red herring to try and get film fans to like it. You'll never beat the original Robocop. You'll never beat Pete Weller. You'll never beat Verhoeven. Alright, right.
2: so let me, let me reel this back in. You mentioned Atkins, you mentioned Donald Pleasance. So July 10th, 1981. We're a few weeks at this point removed from Superman 2 and Raiders of the Lost Ark. But July did bring some serious contenders. Like he said, we had Arthur and there's some other movies that I won't even mention right now. But my choice, it took in $25 million worldwide, which is $71 million in 2018, which is not a dynamo in the box office at all. But this carries cult classic status. John, do you know what movie I'm going with right here before I even mention it?
1: The
0: only one from July 1981 was Escape yeah, that's from New right. York, man. We have to have the Kurt Russell head-to-head between Escape from New York and Tombstone. All right, What's well, going to win?
2: This is, is going to be my pitch to this. This movie is the first ever modern-era anti-hero movie to come to the silver screen. Yeah. And that and he has the coolest fucking name of any character in any movie in the entire history of fucking movies. Snake Pliskin. <laughs> you can't like you can't even fucking like you try to try to throw a name at me. You can't top Snake Pliskin.
5: Chester. It sounds like a condom no, no,
2: company name. Nope.
0: You can you you can't beat it but I would argue that Han Solo is also an anti-hero. Yes. I'm not a Star Wars guy no. I'm far more an escape guy, but Han Solo is sort he's of not his, He's and not he's not as grimy.
2: He's not as grimy as
5: fucking He does he sh- shoots first.
0: No, he's not, but he still doesn't he still doesn't wear his hero status like happily like he's not out and out trying to be a hero. He's still out for himself. Yeah, that's a lot
2: true. It's true. But they, t- so basically, all right, so let's throw the story out there. You got the story. The, it's a classic John Carpenter. It's a, the slow burn suspense, but it's an action flick. You know, you have the, the president, which is Donald Pleasance. He gets, uh, his, his uh, Air Force One goes down and he gets stuck behind it. You know, uh, uh, he gets kidnapped and stuck in Manhattan, which is now it's like walled off version of the fucking eighteen hundreds Australia. You know, it's filled with criminals and derelicts and, you know, ever since what was what's the line in the movie? Like crime rose like four hundred percent in nineteen eighty seven or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah. So so that that all happens. Um, and he he Yeah. Harry stands in his You there. got all these fucking characters. you got Ernest fucking Burnie is like the crazy fucking cab driver, which is perfectly cast for that shit. Um But like you got Kurt Russell in like the ultimate fucking anti-hero role where they grab him and they fucking put a bomb in his body and say you have 24 hours to save the president in New York City where all these criminals are or your body will explode. Then he has to he has to navigate the island of criminals, save the president and then get off the fucking island. It's it's a fucking great movie. The problem with this movie, and like I said earlier, it only made twenty five million dollars because the critics shit on this fucking movie from the get-go saying that it was slow and this and that. And then you had all the fans of Carpenter from the Halloween movies. They were expecting a fucking horror movie that just trashed this shit. But it, after it all came out, yeah. it's it w- a great fucking it movie. It was also
0: one of the first films where Kurt Russell, I mean, everyone thinks, I think, now of Kurt Russell as a fairly kind of like action guy. Um, it, no, he was never like a Stallone or a Willis, even, but he certainly had a string of Tango like and Cash. action style films. <laughs> right. He had Tango and Cash. He had Overboard. Uh, Breakdown, he had Tombstone. Captain he had, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> <know>, Captain <laughs> Ron. Let's not forget. Let's not forget the classic Captain Ron. But no, this was also. He was
2: almost Han Solo. Yeah.
0: He was also Han Solo, but before this, he was basically known as like Disney's actor. He had been a Disney actor for a long, long, long time, um, and he had only worked with Carpenter once before, which was on the Elvis miniseries. So he'd never done anything like Snake Pliskin before, really. Had never done it, and so you
2: didn't mention two once. Everyone,
0: food. right?
3: I just rewatched that recently. But... I have it on DVD. I just rewatched it does not hold up whatsoever.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, John No. Um
0: no, I'm just saying so like you know, and John Carpenter in general is just w- it, despite making undoubtedly 10 of the greatest movies of the decade, um what was always shit upon by critics on every single turn was shit upon by critics got called You know what you forgot actually?
2: And he got shit on for that too. Big
0: Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. Well, yeah. that comes after this. Yeah, but this was their second collaboration, first time Kurt Russell being an action guy. It's seminal for so many reasons. Uh, it's a s- fantastic film and how anyone would be able to escape New York, uh, in that short amount of time and not get lost in Adrian Barbeau's cleavage is just, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You have Wasn't to have a she strong married will. I'm just saying, just has a will time? of iron. I just think. Uh, no, she wasn't. Uh, Carpenter was still with oh. Deborah Hill, but I believe they they met on this or the fog. The fog comes out before this, right? The fog.
2: So he, yeah, he banged her on set.
0: Sure. Yeah, no. So yes. okay, he wasn't with Deborah Hill anymore. I think he was dating Barbo, but I don't think they ever got married.
2: But yeah, you had like the, the cast in this is fucking phenomenal. Everybody's perfectly cast for the role. Lee I mean, Van, I mean, Cleef. I mean, Van Cleef. He's the fucking. There's your anti hero right there from these spaghetti westerns with fucking Clint Eastwood gets thrown in and he's like this uh, crooked ass cop and shit with his, like, you know, his shitty ass hair or whatever.
0: But God. Yeah. You've got Isaac Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes. Yep. The dude behind the shaft soundtrack shows up to play the Duke (laughs) with the funniest uh, car chandeliers ever. Whoever sticks chandeliers on the hood of their car, I don't know, but the Duke pulls it off. It's going to come back. Again. Yeah, it is. Someone's got to bring sure. that shit back. If come we on, you don't get on understand it, guys. our
3: history, we are doomed to repeat it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, before I,
2: we're running out of time here, so let me just throw these out real quick. Uh, like I said earlier, we had a huge June, which bleeds over. You know, you had Superman 2 in our top 10, uh, you had uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in our top 10. Uh, Victory, Arthur, uh, fucking God, uh, shit, fucking Empire Strikes Back was still tops in the box office, and yeah. that came out in 1980. So that's what we had in the box office. Make a pick, man. I know it's gonna be tough. Uh, it's tough for me to pick these two. I don't know. I don't even know.
0: Yeah. So just quickly, some other notables from 1981 that you could have had, but probably best you didn't. Yeah, uh, was Cannibal Ferox yeah. came out um a little exploitation movie with english actors in it weirdly called the survivor uh which i own um and uh under the rainbow the <laughs> hilarious comedy about dwarfs, <laughs> um, starring chevy chase and uh, uh carrie fisher and isn't it about the like uh, dwarf who may have killed himself on the set of wizard of oz like it's a super weird movie. Um, but no, you were right to go with Kurt Russell. But it does mean that I, as the judge, have to pick between two of the greatest Kurt Russell movies ever made, literally. Uh, it's such a difficult pick. Do you go with iconic? Do you go with classic? Do you go with seminal? Do you go with the first? Do you go with Escape from New York? Or do you go for Tombstone, which is just one of the most entertaining Westerns ever made? Phenomenal cast. Both films have phenomenal casts. It's going to be very, very difficult to pick. Uh, but I think because of the fact that you have John Carpenter at the helm, it has to be Escape from New York. Uh, but <laughs> Tombstone, guys, from 93, that was such a good pick. Uh, that's playing right into my wheelhouse. Uh, the other two movies, Arthur and Philadelphia, they're absolutely fine movies, but uh, I'm sorry, it comes down to the Battle of the Russells. And I think Plissken just just edges... Uh, Wyatt Earp, way but, better but uh, still a fantastic battle. And I think he
3: would kick his ass in real life, too.
0: What, Wired what, up versus Snake Plissken? Well, yeah, if nothing else, Snake Plissken has automatic exactly. weapons. Exactly! So.
3: No fucking contest! Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but if Wired Up was super sneaky and hid out in Sam Elliott's mustache, he could wait out the 22 hours and Snake Plissken would blow up. That Damn, that is true.
2: So there it is again. That's two months in a row. It's six to one. I thought, I actually thought you guys were going to take movies and this would be a four to three month, but man, six to one again.
0: I have to, I have to go with, yeah, I mean, look, Arthur Arthur and Philadelphia, it's, it's, where's the, where's the debate there? Really? It's, you know, six or one, half dozen, the other, and in terms, but it has to come down to the Kurt Russell and it's a very difficult pick because I love both of those movies dearly. But the the presence of John Carpenter and Donald Pleasance, my favorite actor, uh, just Pete. Uh, and if, if we Europe. have to take
2: any solace in this at all, in 1981, guys, just to give us the win here, we had the drive-ins. Not only do we have drive-ins, we had adult drive-ins. You can go to a fucking adult <laughs> drive-in and see Hot Child in the City, Story, Georgina, and Sharon all in one night.
0: <laughs> I have the <laughs> ad like, right here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know, and then you could drive home with your dashboard glazed in <laughs> seamless, unable to be able to see what speed you doing. Like, who the hell doing? goes to a drive-in
3: to jerk off in your car for eight fucking hours? <laughs> who can like,
2: make
0: it through ten dude, minutes? Dude, they didn't have the internet.
3: <laughs> it was all that was
0: going on. But eight on. <laughs> hours? You, you need an entire movie marathon to get off?
4: Paul Rubens.
0: No, you get off once at the beginning, once in the middle, <laughs> and once at the end. And the rest of the time it's all about the plot, the characters, and the weirdly Brown early ages there genitals. Were, there was a weird
2: <laughs> thing that I've never seen a, a drive-in movie theater before. There there is a second showing that has the Superman spelt like soup. So I'm guessing that's just <laughs> Night of the Spanish Fly and and Kinky Tricks. However, here's the cool thing about the, the drive-in movie of nineteen eighty-one. You could view on your own private screen. What the fuck does that mean? What?
3: Yeah. Like they had? I know you had the the private like speakers, so you could hear. But you he tell me they had like a little. How the hell did they have a TV monitor? Was it like the? Uh, oh, it was 1981. It's like when we went to the airport and you put a quarter in and you got to watch the little tiny black and white TV in the chair. I don't
2: know. You it's guys remember weird, those? Though. But nope. that's kind of cool because you can't do that anymore. But anyhow, let's close it up. It's a fucking landslide again. We got a win for July 1981. we got to have to mix it up again next month for the 90s. But, Mark, close it out.
3: All right, fellow poopers. Thanks for tuning in to this great episode of the Poop Culture Podcast as we play everyone's new favorite game, Dueling Decades. If you enjoy Dueling Decades, you now can follow us over on Instagram, Mancrush. Tell them where they can do that.
2: Yeah, go over to Instagram. It's uh, at Dueling Decades. You can also follow us on Facebook, forward slash Dueling Decades. Follow us, like the shit, do all that. It's kind of cool. Every day I put something out, so check it out. There's uh, you know, movie things, there's commercials, there's TV. I throw it all up there. Uh, Mark does too, so just go over there. Bo does too, maybe. Bo's sleeping now because we're talking about movies. He hates it. But take it away, man! I just got no dog in the fight. Yeah,
3: follow us all over on Instagram now, and you can follow us on Facebook at Poop Culture Podcast, and of course over on Twitter at Poop Culture. I'd like to thank the Honorable John Cross for serving as the judge this week. You're quite welcome. Make sure you go over and check out his podcast, John. Tell us where
0: people can find you. Uh, You can find me at AfterMovieDiner.com. That's AfterMovieDiner.com. And uh, if you are in New York and uh, you are going to be uh, anywhere near Brooklyn, New York uh, in July and August, uh, come find me at the Crystal Lake Bar. Uh, I am going to be there. If you can give me 30 seconds, I'll give you the dates. I believe it is Monday, July 23rd, I think and then August 5th and August 19th. Does that sound about right? I think something like that. Uh, So, yeah, come find me at the Crystal Lake Bar. Otherwise, uh, find me at AfterMovieDiner.com. Thanks so much, guys. It's been your privilege to have me here.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, John. And I'd also like to thank the great rapper, Mr. Mike Ranger. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh,
5: thank you, sir. Tell
3: everyone where they can listen to the Video Rangers podcast.
5: Well, you can just type it in wherever on your uh, (laughs) podcast listening app of choice. Cast box. And (laughs) next week, we're going to be doing No Retreat, No Surrender.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Great film.
5: Real excited about that. Been practicing. Training montage. Yeah, I've been doing uh, push-ups with only two fingers.
3: Cock (laughs) (laughs) push-ups.
5: You only need one.
0: Follow it up with part two that has Cynthia Rothrock in it.
5: God, no, I hope not. (laughs) Why not?
0: It's awesome. Part two is better than part one. no way.
5: You got fucking RJ in part one
2: and a fat guy eating cake. He does cock ups in part (laughs) one. (laughs) You can never be cock ups.
3: And of course, you can follow the Poop Culture podcast. You can listen, like, and subscribe over on our website, www.poopculture.com. Thanks for tuning in for another week of the fun, fellow poopers. We're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a great week, everyone.
1: (laughs) Infirmary Media.